because I believe science might offer an answer to the curse of the Bambino. Why someone took so long to hire that guy is beyond me. Anybody who's not tearing their team down right now and rebuilding it using your model, they're dinosaurs. One of the great things about money is it, it buys a lot of things. One of which is the luxury to disregard what baseball likes, doesn't like, what baseball thinks, doesn't think. It's a threatening, not just a way of doing business, but, it's, but in their minds, it's threatening the game. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Hey guys, this is Brent Porcio. All right, thanks for jumping on another podcast here. Uh, we've got all the or the two most popular guys, almost, so we, we can't leave Duke, <laughs> at uh, armcare.com. Also, uh, Dugan's a pretty popular guy, uh, but we got Ryan Croton, Doctor Ryan Croton, and we got um, Jordan. And I'm gonna I always Osegura, but he's also Doctor Jordan Osegura to me. Are you a doctor too? No, I, I'm I... a self self proclaimed PhD. Oh, is that, is that what it is? That's he's, I am not good. a doctor. No. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to catch up to Ryan. I'm, I'm I might make it if he helps me. Oh man, it's a it's a it's a beaten path, but I will definitely help you. Very cool. All right, so we don't have a lot of time, but we were going to go over um, some coaching strategies or methodologies, I guess, with – let's just talk about, like, in the heat of the moment with a pitcher who's, you know, maybe at the point where he just needs something uh, to, to really help him where he is. Maybe, obviously, not something long-term in, in, in this information we're going to share, but something that's kind of short-term, something will help him in the moment. What are your methodologies on that? How do you help someone, I guess, in a more short time period than a long time period? Why don't you start with it, Ryan? Yeah, for me, I mean, you know, kind of on this topic, like I, we were talking about coaching languages, I think the, this approach is, is huge. Um, you know, some of the athletes, like I'm careful with athletes that are very body conscious. The first thing, like, in, and everybody has a certain type of athlete they can watch every day that's like tinkering, you know, like. I won't name names. Jordan will probably know the same player, but coming in every day, he's taking an excessive amount of time to get warmed up. You know, things are never feeling right. He stays away from certain exercises because he feels it causes contraindications, meaning it'll affect his performance and hurt him. It's just like with a player like that, for me, it's my first cue to say, I can't talk about their body. I can't, I can't communicate that they're tight. If you use words like tight or not mobile enough or, you, you know, you got to be careful um, speaking about their bodies. Um, for me, at least I've been I've had success um, talking about as much as I can about kind of the environment. You know, let, let's just say that, you know, George, um, Brent, you're big into the to to the drive leg power production. You know, I'm noticing the stride lengths contracted. You know, you know, I just I just would tell a guy like, hey, man, you got to you got to crush. You, you just got to explode your body off the mound, like throw your body in the air, you know, and then all of a sudden, like what I would see with the player that's got a really restricted stride length, even if they had tight hip flexors, they're able to gain, um, you know, just a, a few more inches. I'll turn it over to Jordan because he also kind of walked out. It's kind of nice because some players really need a visual. And, you know, Jordan was like saying, hey, I think his Jordan is like about six steps should be the stride length of a, a like six feet for most guys, at least um, to get closer to their body height. And even something like that, like just some kind of external target for somebody um, who's really, you notice is internally focused is big. Yeah. I try when I, whenever I'm talking to guys, I try to go like, I, I, I view myself as like a long-term development coach to where 
in a one-on-one setting, I can get some improvements out of, out of, out of guys, but I'm not, that's not kind of my niche of where I'm going to be most beneficial. Mine is long-term and I like to understand kind of how a guy communicates. So does he th- say, I think, or does he say, I feel, mm-hmm. and that for me starts driving, you know, internal versus external cueing to where if it's someone like, you know, Dr. Ryan Croton, who always says, I think, I think, I think mm-hmm. that's someone who's very you know, cerebral. They're going to be, mm-hmm. that's not the guy that I want to start, you know, giving a whole lot of, you know, mechanical adjustments to, I'm going to start giving more kind of constraints based aspects to, as opposed to someone who says, I feel they're the guy that generally likes to understand how that thing's working. They normally nine times out of 10. And one of the ones that I've actually stolen from Brent uh, that I've been using with one of my, one of my youngsters, he's a 14 year old left-handed pitcher. I think he'll be all right. Um, he's already getting some interest from a couple of schools in the Northeast uh, for his young age. Taplin Everett, make sure you pay attention to him. <laughs> um, but for him, he was just moving so slow. And I was like, look, man, you got to, the movie Top Gun was obviously just coming out at the time. The new one, great film, Ryan, go watch a movie one time is, you know, you don't, you want to be the fighter jet taken off. <laughs> you don't want to be the big old Boeing 747 or whatever they're called. And I remember you were saying, you know, be the fighter jet, you know, which, which one are you? Either way, the plane's getting taken off. So I said, the way you are, is you're like building speed, building speed, and then you get up. What I want to see you do is, boom, just get going right out of the chutes. And that visual right there internalized it for him, really made sense for him. So over our trip in Louisiana, I actually stole that from you, but I gave oh, you credit. Oh. So. You actually at, you kind of made it your own. It's I, I told it a little differently, but I, I, I like your the way you told it just then, too. That was cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you guys. I think I, I don't really like being in positions where – it's like anxiety driven. I've got to give them something, you know, it's like, I really don't like being there. I think we've failed if we're there, but I understand when you get guys that uh, you haven't spent a lot of time with and, and you are trying to help them. Um, and I, yeah, Jordan, that was a great way of putting it. Like I'm trying to understand the learner. And, and I had a, a psychologist in there one time who went over, he had his PhD in like learning types and he spent a lot of time with me on it. And, and dude, there's a, as us as scientists, I don't think we've gone nearly enough into that work. Um, psychology and how the brain learns and different types of learners is huge. I was just, I'm dyslexic. I am dyslexic. And so I understand learning disabilities and, and, and that everyone learns differently. And I think if you're a coach that can kind of morph yourself to be a different teacher for different learning types, I think you're going to be extremely successful ultimately more successful in season than out of season because like jordan you're saying i'm like you i want long term and and if i'm going to get someone long term then i can help them adapt to my teaching style and i I think that's why we like it it's more comfortable for a coach but but you're right you're going to have to be that coach who can really adapt to them to the learner if you're going to be an in-season coach oh man i i gotta jump in because i i want to ask you guys what do you do when an athlete doesn't agree with you you know, it, it happens, you know, for me, obviously the science bit, I'm always trying to like cram data down their throats. So they see like, Hey, like this is objective data. Yes. You are not moving faster with what you're doing. You're actually, you need a deceleration approach to your training because you're not stopping to promote faster velocities. Right. But you know, they're like, no, I don't, I don't buy it. Yeah. Um, Like for me, just kind of just quickly on that. It sucks because I got to wait, even though, you know, I got to wait for them to really struggle. Like I only go in there when athletes got pain or, and we talk about this in our certified pitching biomechanics course, but, or, or poor performance when they're going well, no pain, 
I don't get in there. But when I start seeing it slide, that's when I start communicating a little bit and getting shut down sucks. So I don't know. Like Jordan, you you tell me. So for me, and again, this is why I like kind of being involved with smaller groups of people is I don't have to be right when it comes down to it. I just need the athlete to do better. So if I say I want this guy into foot strike in you know, 0.87 is where I think he's best and he wants to be into foot strike in 1.2 seconds, that's not the hill that I need to die on. You know, where can I gain trust with this athlete? And maybe it's pitch development. Maybe it's, you know, back leg mechanics. So, it, you know, there's, there's certain things that it's like, yeah, I would prefer him do it a certain way, but it doesn't need to be done my way. Cause at the end of the day, it's their career. And what I view myself as is kind of a tour guide along the way to where, yeah, I have my beliefs. I have my thoughts. I'm not always going to be right. That's not possible. You know, mm -hmm. there's, it's just not, it's not the way that it's going to work. But if I can help this player in another aspect to help them be successful still, then that's my job. It's my job as a coach is not to ram things down the player's throat. It's a fiduciary relationship built on trust where we mm -hmm. keep growing together as a group. So yeah, there's plenty of athletes that, that pitch for me at the high school level since I'm coaching at a high school now that are like, Hey, I don't, I don't buy into that. I just think I should do it this way. And I go, Hey, that's fine. It's your career at the end of the day, but I still get to write the lineup in that scenario. So it's okay. As opposed to, I have another guy who's a free agent coming back from a shoulder surgery, pitching the big leagues. He's like, whatever you tell me is gospel truth. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, either one of those are not healthy balances. He should not be viewing everything I say as 100% accurate. He should be challenging me. And then the other guy should not view me as being 100% wrong. So neither one of those are right, but each one of them obviously hold their own challenges. But again, it's not about me being right. It's about getting the athlete in a position for success, regardless of what they think of me. Yeah, I just I just block them and then talk bad about them behind their back. Just <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be like most coaches out there, right? <laughs> no, I mean, I kind of look at it as like, like I deal with my children, like when my child starts to cry, because they're not getting what they want. I kind of just let them cry. And it's like, if a guy's going to be like, No, I don't believe you. I'm like, Okay, let's just see how that works for you. I mean, fine. I mean, everything's this in a case study. So if yeah. someone doesn't agree with me, I just I watch them and I learn, okay, well, yeah. do they go against me? Do they try something else? And does it work? I'm actually, I'm really curious when they do that to see what happens. <laughs> you know, so it's I think it's fun. I think it's a learning experience. Mm -hmm. And 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 every player has that right. And I respect that right, like you said. And I actually learn from it too. So yeah. On, on a side note, for an actual use case, there's a player, his name was Clayton Vecting. He actually had a couple opportunities, played a little bit of international uh -oh, baseball. Name dropping. He's he's a cool, great kid. He's okay. <laughs> honestly doing a lot of great things for youth baseball. Um, that you know, people should be looking into what it is that he's doing. Um, but he was the hardest player I've ever coached in my life. And he won probably the third most games for me while I was coaching in college baseball, right-hander, nice. 88, 92, really good slider. And it was like, Hey, I want you doing, gosh, I don't even remember what it was. It was like, I think you should throw your slider more. And he's like, no, I'm going to throw this pitch. And then it was just like, he would go in and still do what I asked him to, but he just wanted to debate just because he was like, I'm, it has to be me. That's and it's like, that's fine. You know, everyone's going to be different. And he honestly helped me learn as a communicator a ton to where it's like, it doesn't need to be my idea. I don't need to be the one that's right. I just need it to this guy to compete every seventh day in that context. Um, but he's a, he's a great guy. He's out in the Southern California area. Um, does a lot with youth, youth baseball to teach kids how to do, do stuff along the way. And 
actually coached where I started coaching at Calvary Chapel in Santa Ana. So he's, he was over there for a bit, but you know, those, he was the most difficult person that I've ever had to go to the mat with on a day-to-day basis for Mm -hmm. two and a half years when he came in, but it was honestly a great learning experience. Just like Brent was pointing out, it's like, well, what, how does, how does this work for him? Not doing it a hundred percent the way I want him to do it. And Mm -hmm. it honestly humbled me because he competed great. He won a ton of games, not doing it the way that I asked him to. I, I yeah. think the better question is, is like, wh- how far have they gone in your training to where they res- in, in resistance to you? I had I had players throw med balls at me. I've had, <laughs> I had one player punch the wall and put his fist through the wall. Um, I think those those are fun. <laughs> I mean, I love what you said. You were talking about kids like your kids. Yeah. And, and you know, some coaches, if you have children, if you don't, it makes us a little bit challenging. You know, we all have kids, but like my kids, he started eating cucumber, you know, just kind of introducing my young guys into vegetables or eating out of pouches. And um, it was like I had to start with peanut butter, which they love to dip, you know, the cucumber in. Yeah. So like what you're saying, like <clears throat> it's yeah, a negotiation, <laughs> right? It, negotiating with your kids is tougher than any job. Anything that anything, uh, you know, of monetary value that you, like a car, you know, you got either they're going to have an absolute meltdown and then you're going to put them in timeout and then they're going to do it again. Like it's just, you know, there's a lot of those things. And then, um, you know, but when you can sort of figure out how to meet them, like what you're saying is just like, OK, well, this is this is what I think you would need. You know, and you're you're t- you're taking a step back and saying, let's let's see what you're doing. Let's see how we can blend it, um, and not put yourself in a position as like I'm the dictator, I'm the daddy, um, and more like I'm I'm a guide. Cool. Yeah. Gosh, I remember my first day yeah. working out. Ryan gets hired on. I'm over there doing lap pull downs, not being a dictator. Comes in, hey, you're doing this wrong. Can't do this in my weight room. <laughs> That's hey, man, like, no, hey, I was dude, just, I'm just, just trying to not. I don't want that. you to get hurt. You know. That's all. I just and I had to preface. I don't want you to get it's hurt. Like Ryan, I hit fungos. I'll be fine. <laughs> hey, I hit fungos and lean on a fence. I'm gonna be okay. <laughs> That's priceless. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I know Ryan. You got to go, but um, I think you nailed it. I think it's it's the negotiation, but and you don't have to win. I mean, I don't think a coach should ever have a perspective. You have to win. I think at the end of the day, that's the hard thing for most coaches is they have to like be a support you know more of a supporter than a dictator and and that's the humble aspect of a coach and and you don't of course there's coaches in different positions as chiefs where they want to you know they got to run the ship i get all that but as i think as instructors is we have to be in a more supportive position um Mm -hmm. and if they don't want our support and i mean i i'm used to that all the time i think that's one thing you have to have you have to have confidence if you're going to be this type of coach is that some of your favorite players are probably going to walk away from you you have to oh man ready. you have to be ready for that <laughs> oh dude and that that hurts i mean that happens to it everybody does. um sometimes it's a it's it could be an agent it could be you know they move away mm-hmm. you know there, there it's it's there's a lot of times it's not your fault it's just you know you're geographically undesirable <clears throat> for some people or they've outgrown um, you yeah. Or they've outgrown it. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, and that, that happened. I mean, you probably get in reverse. You might get some kids that have been yeah. working with somebody and they need something a little bit higher. So they have to experience that. And they're really good. Let's just say it 
you know, really the, the youth market of like eight to 12 years old, um, you know, that, you know, that, that is tough, you know, cause you, sometimes you take it personal, but there's some other elements. And, and I know Jordan can attest to this is when you leave a player and that's happened. When I notice a player is not taking care of their bodies, they're not focused, they're late. Okay. They're distracting other players. Um, and they're paying you. I, I go in and tell them and say, look it, you know, I'm going to give you a warning. I'm going to tell you that you're not really, you know, I'm putting in more than you, what you're putting in. And there's other guys here that are training hard and they're focused and they want something. It seems like we're not aligned. Now, if it happens again, I just privately have a meeting with the player and say, look it, man, I can't work with you anymore. You just, mm-hmm. we just don't align in mm-hmm. our level of seriousness. And look it, we're all, th- we're three guys on here. Our professional reputation is on building results. Mm-hmm. And if our players don't really follow in line now that we're, you know, Jordan and I are in the private world and in the major league world, you're, you got to deal with all these guys. Some of them just, you know, they want to um, just say that they played pro ball. They don't care about becoming a major leaguer. Mm-hmm. Um, some guys that you work with in pro ball, they don't want to play forever, which hurts when they say, dude, I don't want to play past 35. Don't keep telling me you're going to keep me on the field and stuff like that with the, with your stuff. I don't want to play that long. So, you know, you, sometimes you got to fire the player. Yeah. That's a great point. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, you summed it up well. It's just two very separate worlds, obviously, the private industry versus the professional industry, and then even get into the collegiate industry. And those are all very, very different monsters. And it's like, you know, uh, looking at a horse and a zebra, they they look kind of the same, but those are two very separate beasts when it comes down to it, you know? So it's you're looking at one of them, and then obviously if you're looking at the private industry, it it is results driven. When you're getting into the professional industry, they say it's results driven, but a lot of it is based on your draft stock because we've had some yeah. guys that are putting up fantastic results, but they're not doing it the way that they expect them to be done. So they're either released or sent somewhere else because like, well, it doesn't quite fit the model. And instead of looking at it and going, well, how do we adjust the model to make sure that we understand what's going on here? They often go, well, just doesn't make sense. Let's move on. It's different. Neither right or wrong, but it's right for that group. But then when you get into the college atmosphere, you know, they've signed a player, they've given him scholarship money and he's, he's expected to win. And it doesn't always need to be done that way because if they don't win, then people get fired and heads, heads roll. And there's a lot of money involved in the collegiate industry. If you're a coach and they're not so much about being right, they're about putting up wins at the end of the day. And that's where a lot of those colleges will hire out guys like Brent and go, Hey, we need you to be the messenger for our guys. We need to go recruit more. So that's, neither one of those setups is right or wrong. That's yeah. amazing. I, I got to jump guys. But before I leave, like, you know, Jordan hits it on the head. You know, Brent, you're talking about it. I've been talking about it. Like we talk about this coaching humility. We got to keep these things happening. These little mini blasts, because a lot of people out there, a lot of coaches, they got to hear us. Hey, we make mistakes. So what Jordan's saying, you know, and you know, you know, the thing is, it's like, if we can't be the strongest voice, we have to find somebody who's an advocate to connect a player, you know, um, who could be, a, you know, another coach, right? Could be your video coordinator, you know, whatever it may be. So I love you guys. Um, thank you All for right, having me on. I got to bounce. Well, but, Jordan, you know, uh, Jordan, can we keep going? Yeah. And then you guys the, you know, can the keep last thing, just to get some clarity before Ryan gets out of there that day is 2017 is like mid-February. I was yeah. in there deadlifting at like 4.30, like 
780 some odd pounds. And Ryan's like, Hey, you can't lift more than me in here. And that was the main thing. Like, oh, we'll see you, Ryan. Go ahead and hop out of here. We'll he he is super time. competitive. Like, that. Oh man, at everything. He's like, well, I can't right, have Ryan. you lifting more than me in here. You know? Well, Ryan, uh, like, when you go, I want to talk more about y'all. We were talking <laughs> older athletes. I want to talk about the youth and the challenges of the youth and keep, reaching. Yeah, to keep them. it going, man. All right, keep man. it going. I'll stay tuned for what you guys talk about. All right. All right. Thank see you guys. Man. So Jordan, the uh, my my biggest thing is, you know, I get the the 13 year old, the 14 year old and the dad's like literally walking to the door, like trying to hand them off, you know, like he's not listening to me anymore. Um, You take them. And I think that's a hard place to be as a coach, mm-hmm. too, because, yeah, they'll listen to you, especially if they respect you and they know who you are. But eventually you're going to be the dad to them. Eventually they're going to mm-hmm. stop listening to you. And it, and it and that's the coming of age. That's that's where I have the conversation. Even before I go into that, I say, look. Well, there are a lot of the reasons he's not listening to you because he wants to start doing this on his own and, and eventually he's going to not stop listening to me. So let's help him do this on his own. And that's where I want to empower them to be their own coach. And that's where I'm like, okay, well, you know, this frustration you have with your dad and you want to do everything on your own. Well, at the same time too, your dad's observing you and seeing your failures. So you, you've got to be willing to learn if you're going to do this on your own, let's teach you the way to do it on your own. And that's where I try to reach him. I try to reach him as I'm not just going to take over for your dad. I'm going to actually just teach you how to do it yourself. So you do it better and you don't need us. I mean, what do you think of that? So you're actually, I, I was on a phone call yesterday with a parent that I work with his kid at the high school that I coach. And he's an older 16 year old. He'll be a junior, he'll be 17 here in a couple months, uh, right in that range. But the dad calls me and he goes, look, I need to know how my kid's doing at practice because he is going crazy. He won't let talk to me about baseball. He won't, this isn't normal. I was like, yeah, he's a, 16 year old that's pretty right. normal for a 16 year old yeah, to right. butt heads with their dad you know right. like ego and testosterone when they start hammering through the roof those two things don't collide well um but no it's dead on because i even have a kid yep. that i work with in the midwest where his dad is coaching his dad played professional baseball i worked with his dad when he was playing professional baseball and now his kid's old enough dad pitched in the big leagues and the kid's going hey i don't care what you have to say i'm not interested in you don't, I don't, you know, I'm going to go learn from Jordan. And it's like, the dad is a great conduit of information, but there just comes that point where the kid wants freedom. And I agree a hundred percent. Like my whole goal is to teach players to be self-sufficient, self-reliant, to be, to take care of it on their own. Because when you're on the mound, you can't bring Brent with you. You're, you're on your own and no one's there to save you when you're on the mound, you better figure this stuff out. And that's why I like, you know, personally your system quite a bit is it's designed around, I mean, you got guys in the background, they're training on their own. You better right. figure this out because if you right. don't, no one's going to come out there on the mound and help you. You yeah. can't just end the play in the middle of it after you gave up that double. Yeah, and if if you're also programmed just to listen to a coach, that that's going to be tough because you're going to be listening to maybe three, two or three, three or four coaches every year. So, And I'm pretty sure they're not all aligned. So now you're just programmed to listen to a coach who keeps every time you change the coach, you get a different point of view and you might even get a different way of doing it. And then you start getting confused. So I think the only way to kind of keep you on the right path on at least a consistent path is that you're not waiting for a coach to tell you what to do. You actually have a system. You have a plan in place. You've learned it. You understand why you do it. The coaches can provide feedback to it, good or bad, but that, that avoids the problem of, getting mixed information as you go from coach to coach through different, you know, leagues and organizations and seasons and all that. And even just with how much information is available online. Um, 
to give an example, another high school kid that I work with, I call him YouTube you is what I call him. Cause every day he shows up, he's like, I found this video on YouTube. What do you think I should do? Should I change it? All of a sudden I'm throwing a split change Fosh hybrid. Wait, well, hold on. Where are you getting this from? Where do you get this from? And he'll go through and he'll show me this video. And I'm like, look, that may be good in a couple of years from now, but let's learn how to throw a fastball for strikes for starters. You know, let's, let's work on that today. Well, that's and the just guiding that's, that and yeah. keeping that compass, hopefully pointed in the right direction so we can make progress to where he can throw his split hybrid change Fosh ball in the future. Well, that's the program jumper too. That's the kid you see literally on every program social media account over a mm-hmm. four year period, you know? Yes. It's yeah. Like, and, and what, I mean, give us some insight on that. What's, is that a good thing? Is that a problem? I, I think it's a bad thing personally. Um, even, and this is one of the things that I've, I've kind of laid out is I, I always view it as like, a, if you have this compass and your, your goal is to play in college baseball or just to be a really good varsity player, whatever that goal is, if your compass is pointed at that and you're focused and you're continually doing those same things, even if it's a bad program, but you're consistent in it, you're probably going to get better to some extent. But if your compass and you're supposed to be pointing due north and then all of a sudden you switch to, you know, north by northwest for a month and then you change to directly east and then all of a sudden you're going south. It's like, well, you've ended up not going anywhere. You keep changing your program because if you look at programs that are out there and I won't say any programs, but, you know, if you compare, you know, your philosophy to the next philosophy, those are differing philosophies. And if Mm -hmm. you do yours for a week and theirs for a week and then yours for a month. There's for two months. You really didn't get better than anything. Well, that's, that's think, not that's not being aware of contraindicated training, you know, yes. understanding that you might be applying things that are actually working against each other. Yeah. And that's, you know, the whole the whole aspect of it is like everyone thinks development is this easy linear path. It is this jagged mountaintops where you get to one point you're like, oh, my gosh, I hit a PR. And then there's three weeks where you're just kind of like, oh, crap, what's going on now? And then you hit another PR and then there's a, a one week where you're kind of okay. And then there's like a month where you're just riding high. And that's the hard thing too, is when that dad brings in their kid, I know I'm jumping around here, but that the dad brings in the kid and he's like, Hey, you know, he won't listen to me anymore is keeping that kid in the awareness that you're going to have ups and downs. And if, if you're just on a regular, you know, your, your general year, there's more bad days than there are good days in a general year. But being able to look at those realistically and be like, oh, I actually trended up comparatively year over year, month over month. Yeah, and I don't always feel a 10 out of 10 every day. And that's where combining that, you know, the language of actually coaching and understanding with process, which you guys obviously put guys in a process and it lets them do what they need to do. They can actually self-evaluate and then get kicked out of the nest and learn to fly. Yeah, it's hard on the coach too because like my – the pet peeve I have is when I get questions outside of my system. So it's like, Hey, why, when I do something that you don't have in your system, do I get this result? And then I'm like, I have no idea because I've mm-hmm. never done that. <laughs> but if yeah. they're like, oh, well, I've been doing your system and I'm getting this result. Well, I have 16 years of experience behind that. I probably have a pretty decent answer mm-hmm. behind it. So it's like, that's the other thing. It's like when you're staying true to a system even if it's a bad system but you have a lot of people that are doing it with you so you have some support you have some history like whoever developed it has some history behind it there's some information to kind of use to keep moving through it when you go through those ups and downs Mm -hmm. but if you're jumping all around you're kind of actually creating your own program 
So yep. you're kind of the the guinea pig at this point. So you're you're really kind of the first one to go through it that way. So now you get to make all the mistakes and you get to learn all the lessons. And that's a risk because you only have so much time in your career. And you might find that this choice that you made in collecting and doing this hodgepodge of different programs has actually completely misdirected you where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to to kind of piggyback on that as well, one of the things I like about the top velocity system is it is a long-term focus. It's very strength-based. It's very having good mobility, range of motion, good mechanics, all these other aspects that develop a complete pitcher at the end of the day. And that takes time. There's a reason there's the minor leagues. There's a reason why you don't see 14-year-olds pitching in the big leagues. It's not that easy to do when it comes down to it. There's a reason why a lot of freshmen come into that good division one and they end up having to pitch out of the pen until they learn how to be adjusted to that, that new level. And it takes time and your program is built on good, consistent reps being consistent with the process where other ones are going, let me get you in the door. I'll give you a quick two, three mile an hour gain. You'll leave, write us a good testimonial. One month later, you're right back where you were. So that's the other thing too, is guys need to look at the reality of what is this program and what is the design doing? And that's one of the big, big things. Like I know people may not fully grasp it because they, they look at the, the testimonial that someone filmed a couple of years back, but they don't do the follow-up where this guy goes, Oh, well I've actually blown out and now I can't get right. quite back to where I was. So or, yeah, well, it's crazy. Research, you know, well, it's crazy. You get, you get different levels perceiving progress Mm-hmm. And inaccurately. I mean, I've had obviously typically more common at a younger age, they perceive progress inaccurately, meaning they they see guys have success with us and they're like, oh, what did that take? A couple of days, a couple of weeks, you know? And oh, what did he do? Work on a few things. And it, when it's none of that is true. But I've also had big leakers perceive it the same way. Mm-hmm. And then when they learn about what that person actually went through and the commitment they're still having to keep, um, because it's not falling within their short amount of work yeah. um, and, and just so they can get back on, on path, like it, that you lose most of the people. So the crazy thing is like the wisdom that we're putting out here actually is not going to fall well on most ears in the game. Most guys are going to be like, ah, I don't want to hear that, you know, but it's couldn't be, I don't think there's a, not not taking a long-term approach i don't think it, in in any way possible can it work do you really think it could ever work if oh just do it for two weeks and you're grand for the rest of your career yeah i mean if it's not a long-term focus of development it's nothing that's going to lasting have a lasting change i mean you know just as well as i do you could get a person in the door and you could get a two three four some sometimes even a lot more than that mile an hour gain instantly but it's not what's best for the player it's a, because you're not going to set that long-term. You can change torso positions and adjust different things to increase arm speed in the short term and go, hey, we did it. Look at that. Check the boxes posted on Instagram. But that's not what's best for the player. It's, not so, it's also not what is best for you long-term You know, because you're trying to hold on to those guys long-term and help them. Just like you said, sometimes they outgrow you. But you want to grow with them as long as you can, add to your database, so that way now when the next person comes in, you can help them even more. That's why it's so much more valuable for you in making decisions of how you want to play your career when you look at empirical evidence mm-hmm. in large sample sizes um, over long periods of time. I mean, if you 
that's what I'm more excited about. I've been doing this for 16 years. So I have a, a program that's been applied with a large group of athletes for over 16 years. And I have a lot of case studies of guys not just doing it for a month, but doing it for like four or five years mm-hmm. um, and, and, and looking at the progress. And if, yeah, the progress is up and down. But the point is, is like if I'm a young player coming up or, or a dad trying to guide my kid, I'm looking for the system that is long term, that has a lot of cases, a lot of them, a big sample side of cases where guys got the success and continue to maintain success over years of time. If mm-hmm. I don't see that, I'm wasting my time. I mean, and I think money. Exactly. So, I mean, this. <laughs> If anyone was to take my advice for doing this for 16 years, that's my advice. Like, if you don't pick a program based on that protocol, I think you're wasting your money and your time. I mean, would you agree? Yeah, I always equate it to every, there's like like the lotto. There's a chance you win millions, yeah. billions of dollars. And then you're broke. But next the year. odds are not in your favor. Right. But everyone's like, I got to go buy my lotto ticket. It's like, well, you're probably better off putting that into an IRA or some type of retirement fund. Because historically, those say they're probably going to be a lot better for you than putting that money in the lotto, you know? So it's the same thing when you're picking a development system. There's a lot of stuff out there that is really, when you look at it over the whole course of baseball, there's such a small portion, you know? And unless it can equate into adding into that big portion of the game, it's hard to really say, this is where I'm going to invest my time. This is where I'm going to invest my money. Because you only get to play for so long, you know? And I, I explain this to those younger kids all the time is it's if you only have four years of a high school career to show that you deserve to go play college baseball, do you want to spend that four years jumping from different system to different system or go, I'm going to give myself three months. I'm going to evaluate. I'm going to take some actual measurables. Cause that's the other thing too, is most kids, when they get into a system, they go, well, I throw 72. I want to throw a hundred but I don't know how to get there. So I'm going to trust that this is going to work, but they don't set any realistic expectations. And then all of a sudden they're there like, Oh, I throw 78 now as opposed to going, well, why am I throwing 78? What changed? What's different? What does that say health wise? What does that say for my performance? What's actually happening here? And that's why for me, I'm, you know, I'm probably on the, on the high school team side. And even on the private side, I, I take a lot of random data points just to see if something broad jumps, you know, uh, squat numbers, split squats, deadlifts, throwing velocities, anything I can gather, I'm pulling that in, all the arm care data. And I'm taking that information and going, well, what is giving me correlations to improvement? And if it's giving me correlations, now I'm going to train to improve that. If it's not, then maybe I don't, I don't need to put so much effort into that. You know, so that's what I like about your system. I know you have a lot of stuff that runs through that. And obviously you've dialed in, like you said, over a 16 year period of going, this does, this does not work. And if anyone on that private industry is gathering data like that, you're probably in the top tier of that. Yeah. And, and that's why we love armcare.com because you get a lot of great data on, on if, if we're capturing, using it over time, we get a lot of great data on health or, you know, or mm-hmm. I mean, it's still going to be performance too. We, we get an understanding of how well are you maintaining strength? And, and that's, that's what the season that's that's a big win in the season. If you can go into the season and you can maintain strength through a season, you're you're doing you should be doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that's why I think I mean I know having a device like that to capture that kind of data is a great way to see how well your off season was. How well did I do? So if I come in and I you know and I, my strength isn't where it needs to be, obviously that you you know that's that program failed you. 
or if you come into the season and you're using the arm care um, dynamometer and you're finding out, you know, a month in, I'm, I'm, I'm dramatically losing strength. That could be uh, not just, you know, at that point, probably not just an off season issue, but how well have you taken what you were doing in the off season and maintained it through? So, I mean, I just want to plug the, the arm care device. I think it's an, one of the, it is the best device in monitoring and seeing how well your offseason worked and also how well are you maintaining all that work in the offseason, which potentially is not only going to keep your performance up, it's going keep, to keep you healthy. And that's that's a big deal, especially with pitchers when we when we move up levels, you know. Yeah, we we appreciate obviously the the kind words and anybody who's listening, obviously there's the top velocity code. They just type in top velocity if they want to get it. And it gives them a discount. I don't remember what that discount's for, but get in there, check it out if you guys want it. That's obviously a good way to get started and save some money on it. Um, but yeah, shoot, I'm going to have to hop off here in a minute, but you know, I obviously always appreciate coming on and it's, I know I ramble quite a bit and I usually need somebody to rein me in or else I can be like the guy jumping from system to system from thought to thoughts. Yeah. Right. Well, tell them how they can find you and learn more about armcare.com. Yeah. Uh, obviously our YouTube channel, uh, just type in armcare. Uh, it's going to pop up. I think we're one of the first ones that come up on there. And then, um, Instagram, I think we are uh, arm care calm now. I think we just switched it from more than velocity. Uh, but you can find us on Instagram as well, uh, Twitter. And I think we do TikTok. I don't, I'm not up too up to date on social media, but you know, obviously me and Ryan, if you have questions, you can email us Jordan at armcare.com and Ryan at armcare.com. We're always more than happy to, to answer anybody's questions. And I highly recommend, I think I know everyone from, I would say, you know, when when you start throwing a good amount and you start going into multiple seasons, it's a must have device to to make sure you're staying healthy and you're not falling into uh, injury, um, ultimately serious injury. So cool, man. Appreciate it. We'll do it again. Um, and uh, hopefully, you know, Ryan will give us some more time. I know he's Mr. Popular. Which is which is fun. Just got upset because I outlifted him that one day. He had to <laughs> get out of here and save face, you know. <laughs> he can't be around you too long. You you look better than him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate it. Perfect. We'll see you.